Hello, everyone. Melinda Russell here with Women's Motorsports Network podcast. And my guest today is Cammie Lawrence. And we're going to learn a little bit more about who Cammie is and how she got started in racing. So, Cammie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So I always start the show by having my guests tell us a little bit about themselves, their family, their pets, etc. So why don't you let us know a little bit more about who you are? So uh, I grew up in Flagstaff, Arizona, uh, along old Route 66 and pretty historic place. Just a kid, you know, having fun in the woods with all my friends. And uh, the way I got started into i guess the world of automotives uh in high school we were able to take an automotives class as a curricular and i figured it would be good to know how to change my own oil and and know how to change a flat if i ever got one on the side of the road so i took the course and ended up exceeding in the course and and things just kind of clicked for me so I thought about it for a little bit and I was like, maybe I should chase it and figure out what I could do with it. So I proceeded to do that. And uh, from there, I ended up working with uh, another guy in town. His name's Aaron. He owns a couple businesses in town. One is a daily repair shop and the other was a small ARA team, American Rally Association team. He His background is all rally, but it was a motorsports team. And even though the exact car is different, the fundamentals are still the same. Mm -hmm. So I started working for him. Like I would sweep the floors and mop the floors day in and day out for, for years. I did it for, I think, three years. And eventually I was able to start touching the cars and start working on them and thought that like, man, this is cool. Like, you know, why, why, why wouldn't I want to work on this more? Why wouldn't I want to do this more? You know? And, and so that being said, I went on and, and chased it. And at the time my mom was living in Tennessee. She lives in Nashville actually right now, but we keep in close contact. Uh, I go back there time and time again to visit her. And I, I ended up deciding to chase the world of motorsports, the career in it, and ended up in Mooresville, where I guess NASCAR is centered. And so that was that was kind of how it is. You know, my, my dad, he lives in Cholo currently in Arizona, and uh, he's a train conductor for BNSF. So we're all kind of strung out in different ways. I have four other brothers. I have no sisters, you know, and so I'm, I'm kind of a tomboy by heart <laughs> and by circumstance, but I've had a lot of fun with it. We had, we had, uh, we've had a lot of different animals throughout the family and, and grew up hunting and fishing and living off the land. So we're, we're just like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a full-hearted person, and I try to be as authentic as I can be and, and just live life as it goes. So hoping hoping that everything's going to work out. <laughs> Absolutely. So have you gone to school for any kind of automotive training, or you're learning hands-on? I'm learning hands-on. Um, 
I never went to, I know that there's uh, the NASCAR Technical Institute here in North Carolina, mm -hmm. and I never went to it. I more or less jumped into the job. I've thrown in with the wolves and kind of picked up what I could as I mm -hmm. went and more or less just kept going with it. Okay. And how old are you, Cammy? if I can ask? Right now I'm 22. 22. So you're young, but you're getting a lot of good hands-on experience, it sounds like, which is great. So um, tell me what what kind of racing, I mean, do you do any kind of off-road racing or anything? Because Flagstaff, I've been to Flagstaff, Cammie. I, live, I lived in uh, Surprise in the Phoenix area a couple winters in our RV, my youngest two daughters. One lives in Scottsdale and one lives in Glendale. So I'm pretty familiar with that area. So um, that said... Um, what, what are you doing in the automotive industry other than your job? So, I mean, and because, uh, when you work on a race team, I mean, almost all of your time is devoted to it and there's like, you have control over it to a sense, but uh, you're devoted to it. You know, you make a commitment and, mm -hmm. and that's what you try to do. And, and I will say like, the, the learning curve has been super steep. It has not been easy. And being female has been different in, in very uh, distinct ways, but some very obvious ways. And more or less riding with it, I, I started initially as a tire technician, and I didn't even know that was a role that existed. Uh -huh. And... and Went to the racetrack at Daytona in 2021 and was told this is this is what you're doing. Figure out how to do it. So it it's it's been a little ups and downs, a lot of ups. I wish some more downs, but that's you know if if it was easy, everybody would do it. So I mm -hmm. more or less I. I've worked as daily repair, you know, changing transmissions and engines and, and rear end housings on on almost any kind of vehicle you could imagine. Because I did that on the side while working with rally cars mm -hmm. after hours. And that was where I, you know, going back to what I said earlier was how this guy, Aaron, had owned multiple businesses. He had the ARA team and also a daily repair business, which... It's actually the, the daily repair business is right now called Randy's Downtown Garage, but it used to be an old Texaco station back in the 60s. So it's okay. like, you know, everything's historic. And it's on old Route 66 right yeah. through downtown Flagstaff. Mm -hmm. But uh, anyway, so my point is, is, is that, you know, throughout the different environments that I've been invited to and, and almost been forced into in, in a lot of sense, just the the adaptability has been such a really big thing because it you can't ever predict what's going to happen. With as much training or as many classes as you can take or as many times you can do it, the experience, everything is going to change by the hour, if yeah. that makes any sense. Well, everybody's everybody's issue or whatever is different. Yeah. It's not, you know, um, a car pulls into the daily repair shop and his, 
his issue is different than the guy pulling in after him or before him or, you know, so you've got to be flexible and you have to be knowledgeable and you have to be ready for whatever comes your way. And that takes a lot of, um, you know, it takes a lot of learning, hands-on learning, which I love that that's what you're doing because I'm all about going to school. I totally encourage that. And, but I also think there's nothing better than learning hands-on. And so that's, that's pretty awesome. So I, and I will say that like the, the thing about me and I, I, I did pretty good in school and, and there is a difference between book smart and being, I guess you could say street smart, but hands-on learning mm -hmm. has always been such a thing for me. Cause you can, I can read about how to do something five times over and still not understand the concept until I do it. Mm -hmm. And that was why the even though the rally part of my world at the time was so specific and so detailed the thing that taught me more was just doing daily repair because it showed mm -hmm. me how the applications are different but the discipline is the same if that makes sense yes. so it's, it's and 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 my boss at the time, and I call him my older brother now, because <laughs> at the time he was very hard on me and and it was work until your fingers are numb and, and you work and you work and you work. And I, I almost kept working almost to disprove him wrong, you know, to, <laughs> to say, you know, my fingers will never get numb. Like I, I'll do it all day. Right. And And there were times that, you know, 11 30 at night midnight give or take where i'm like man i'm tired i want to go to bed but then i'd keep going and i'd think like okay well i'm i'm doing this to learn about it i'm doing this to make not necessarily make a statement but i'm doing this to make a statement to myself i'm doing right. it to prove that i feel like i'm capable of doing this i can grow i can learn and yeah. and it it proved to work after the fact, because there were times where I was proposed with the same job I had months ago, but when it came to me months in the future, I knew how to do it. And I felt confident and right. knowing that I knew how to do it and get it done. And it, I can't I, honestly like explain how, how much that means to you as a person where mm -hmm. you, when you're like the grunt mechanic, you know, like he, if people throughout town that that take their car they have a trans like they, they see a light on their dash and they don't know what the hell's going on but they go to a shop in town and realize that they have to get their transmission replaced or they have to get their motor replaced or, or like a big job and the people that are willing to do it and accept doing it knowing that they feel confident that they can do it and get it done it's 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 like, I guess, not necessarily taken for granted. It's more or less just unrecognized. And in a joking matter, I've almost called myself a surgeon because some people, <laughs> you know, in, in, in like acquaintances and meeting people, they say, what do you do for a living? I say, oh, I'm, I'm a surgeon. And they say, oh, what, for brains? And I say, no, for cars. You know, yeah. it's, it's almost, I mean, it's completely different. Don't get me wrong. 
I know, but it seems like you're doing some of the same things. You're taking pieces out, you're replacing pieces, you're fixing pieces, and that's what a doctor does for a person. So you're a car surgeon. I love that. It's it's just there's I mean some you know a lot a lot of people I almost I I feel like a majority of people think well I you know I drive my car I go in and I turn the key and and then it starts up and then I can drive to work or I can drive to go see my family on the weekend or I can drive to go meet whoever but there's a, a million working pieces mm-hmm. and the people that know how to find that one piece in a million yeah it's hard to be able to do that. It really is. And it, it takes some sort of know-how. So yeah. that's, and I do it almost in a joking matter because I, I've, I've never been a cocky or arrogant person. I've always been pretty humble and, and it's almost fun to play the game with people because I'm a female. Nobody expects yeah. that out of me. Mm-hmm. And then when I slap them in the face with it through a conversation <laughs> and they kind of like tilt their head and they're like, wait, what? Yeah, it, it's it. I mean, I and like I said, I'm not arrogant about it, but it does give me a good laugh from time to time where I I am confident in knowing that I can fix problems that aren't expected of me to fix. Right. And they look, you know, they probably pull into the repair shop and they look at you and they don't expect you to be the person fixing their car. They expect you to be the one answering the phone or doing the women type of jobs. Right. Absolutely. And I mean, like, I'll, I'll tell you this quick story is I was, uh, so aside from doing the rally thing or the daily repair thing, we also had a driveline shop. So driveline is part that connects basically the transmission to the rear wheels of the car and in a lot of cars, not all of them, but in a lot of them. And I was the only person building drive shafts for all of northern arizona for a time because there were no shops anywhere else so everything nearby got outsourced to me and at the time i would have been 18 maybe 17 and uh there was one day and and i also had built uh drive shafts for for semis and and i mean it's a 300 pound piece of tubing you know, wow. and it's meant, it's meant to push a heavy load down the road. So it, this thing is not easy to he- to carry. So there was one day, and I, I will probably remember this for the rest of my life, and this is where I started to get the know-how of how things worked in the world at the same time. So kind of was figuring out things, I guess. Uh, so this, this older guy, he worked at like a heavy-duty repair shop, diesel shop, which they're they're usually full with uh, older guys that are okay with picking up heavy things all the time. Components are always heavier on on you know semis or diesels. Yeah. And, you know it's just how it is. And so he comes in one day and and I was I just happened to be standing in the office with the service rider, and he walks in with a drive shaft in his hand. So I immediately greeted him and I said, Hey, I like, how you doing? You know, what's wrong? Tell me what's going on. He says, Oh, I need to speak to your service rider. And I said, okay, no problem. And I figured I knew where it was going. So then, uh, Jess at the time, my service rider, she, 
she greeted the guy and, and he said, I need to talk to your driveline technician now. I need to get this fixed. I'm on a time crunch and it needs to be fixed now. And she says, yeah, no problem, sir. I'll, I will give you to our driveline technician and you'll be on the road. And he says, great. So she says, here's our driveline technician. And she went, <laughs> so I, said, I immediately said, let's try this again. My name's Cammie. How can I help you? Mm-hmm. And it, it, was, it was one of those things where, like I said, it slaps somebody in the face, but it's not arrogant. It's more right. like just, you know, give me a chance. And I'd, I'd like yeah. to be able to help you. I'd like to be able to be challenged or, or figure out how to solve mm-hmm. your problem. I want to help. But yeah, you know, it's just people figuring out how to give you the light of day. Well, and, and you know, like we said, especially I think people that are older have in their in their minds a driveline technician should be a man. Uh, this should is a job that a woman does, but that's not true anymore. It doesn't matter where you go. It could be a man doing a typically woman's job, and it could be a woman doing a job that's typically a man's. Because nowadays, so many people, especially like in the motorsports world, which I consider you know you part of that as part as far as what you're doing. In the motorsports world, we see more and more and more women getting involved in all kinds of aspects of occupations, you know, um, engineers and tire specialists. My friend Liz is a tire specialist for NASCAR. She's a little tiny thing and she just throws those tires around like they're nothing. And so you wouldn't normally think of her as a tire specialist, but we have to get past that thinking that when we see a cute little blonde girl like you, uh, we don't assume that she works in the office, she might be running the whole shop. You just never know. And so I I wanted to have you on. I wanted to have this conversation because I want, you know, young girls especially to know that there's all kinds of occupations out there. If you love cars and you want to be involved and work with them and work with a race team, um, you're a prime example of what a young lady can do. And so you know, Cammy, that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on here. Um, what's your favorite thing about your job that you do, the job or being involved with the race team? Um, I mean, there's a, there's a couple different things. And it's when it when I say it, it might make sense. When me personally, I spend day in and day out through the weeks putting putting cars together, putting trucks together. My job right now is I'm, I'm the interior specialist and at the track, I'm the tire specialist. So I build the inside of the car mm-hmm. make sure the driver's comfortable and, and everything's set right for them to do their job in their office for two hours, three hours, however long the race may be, when it all matters to make yeah. sure everything's right. Everybody, everything has to be precise. Even when I'm out there seats, the angle and, and, and you know, there's a lot to it, but the, the thing that's more rewarding to me and, and motivates me to continue doing it is when we're at the racetrack and throughout the day, like when we initially get there, there's still a lot of work that I have to do. And it's, mm-hmm. it's sorting sets of tires and, and going through numbers and, and doing all that stuff to make sure everything's going to be right during the race. But right before the race, when we're on the starting grid and we sit there and, and everybody's on their seat or, you know, out of their seats. And 
I'm there in the national anthem and it's where you see the finished product as like where it's gonna like it's it's time to perform. Like this is this is mm -hmm. my child and I'm now setting it off. You yeah. Know, this is the time where I'm okay with it doing its job. This is what I made it to do. This is what I designed it to do. Now I wanna see how it does it. Mm -hmm. And it's you know, obviously the, the glamour and the fans and and you know, being the, like all on TV and everything, like it obviously makes it so much better. <laughs> You're yeah. there, just people like screaming and hollering and, and uh, you know, my mom always texts me, oh my God, I see you on TV or <laughs> so on and so forth. So if, I think just like I was saying, like for me, the most rewarding thing is, is when it gets to that point because that yeah. means that everybody that had a part in it it succeeded we can succeed at doing this like yes. we are success in a sense and there's i say that because yeah there's always you know 36 35 trucks cars on the starting grid right before the race starts but how much of a struggle each car went through to get there like, right you know the the fact that that we don't go through that much of a struggle and, and we're precise as what we do. We can plan, we can meet deadlines. It makes things a lot easier, obviously. Mm -hmm. And and so it makes it more fun. It, it it makes it more rewarding where we can do this and then like, okay, you know, like it, it worked out. Now we can see where we need to improve or if we won the race and, you know, we did it. And it's... Yeah. You know, um, I like what you I like what you said about um, you know people don't understand what it takes to get the car to the track. So I I if you listen to previous podcasts, you'll have heard you'll have heard me say this more than once, where um, fans need to, need to find a driver or figure out a way to be a a pit helper or a volunteer or something for a race. They need to go. What, whatever time the race team gets there, that's what time they should get there. Whatever the race team goes through just that day, they need to see because just on race day, there's a lot to do. Not to mention everything that's happened prior to that, like you said, to get that car there. And as race fans, sometimes I even take it for granted that, you know, when I turn on the NASCAR race or I go to the NASCAR race, there's 36 you know, cars there that are worth millions and millions and millions of dollars, more, more than I can probably even imagine. And, and yet I don't really think about all of that and what, to, what it took to get there. And so um, I, I like that you said, when, when you see the car on the grid, you know that your team has done what they needed to do. And whether you win or lose, at least you've done your best and the car's ready to go. And you can feel proud of that moment that when those engines start and the way they go, whoo, that feels good. Doesn't it? Absolutely. Cause I, I mean, there's, and, I, and again, it's, I guess like, you know, a lot of it's things that people don't know, but how even today's Wednesday, for example, and, and I've been working on a truck nonstop, you know, and, and because my job is the interior specialist where I have to make wires for this entire truck. I have to make wires for the rear fans to cool the rear end. I have to make wires for the brakes to cool the brakes. I have to make wires for the radiator fan, 
for the engine harness and, and, and the engine harness compiles so much more. I could go on and on and on and list all yeah. the things that need to have wires so that they can operate during the race right. so that the car can survive throughout the race just based off of building it in the shop. And, and mm -hmm. sometimes we'll stay there until midnight making yeah. sure that everything is right. And, and all of that is for three hours on a racetrack. And then mm -hmm. we bring it home and we tear it all apart again. Right. There, that's why I say like there, there is so much that is put into these and, and that's just the inside, like, and, and mounting a seat. And like I said, driver comfort and making sure that, you know, the dash isn't too high or too low or the steering column is right and they're comfortable and, and where the seat is, if the seat needs to be moved or the pedals need to be moved or I need to raise the floor. Like there's so much that goes into it to where you're almost like you're you're exhausted at the end of a race day. Not I'm sure. Because of the things that went on throughout that day, but because like almost mental exhaustion, knowing that like you had a thousand pieces that all needed to work in unison for three hours and, and it worked. And then that's, yeah. you know, like granted, I love, like I was saying, one of my favorite parts is, is right before the race, but then part of the way through the race, you know, you, you don't expect it, but you prepare for something to go wrong because there is something that may overheat or, but then they'll have to come in and then you have to play the diagnosing game. So it's, yeah. it's always just, it's a continuous cycle of go, 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 go. Right. But it's not, it's not just pretty cars that sit there and then we decide to take that one to the racetrack. We roll it onto the racetrack and then park it and put the driver next to it right before the race. You know, right. it's very, it's very complex and, and there's so much that goes on behind it. And not like, there is a, a couple of uh, things that that like seem like they are kind of clear as they seem to be, but it, like I said, just the whole process is, is complex. It is for sure. So, do you always work for the, on the same truck for the same driver? Yeah, uh, not necessarily the same driver because we may have revolving drivers. Okay, uh, and and sometimes my organization personally doesn't bring a truck to the racetrack i'm i you i used to work on a full-time truck team but now i'm more full-time arca and part-time trucks at the same okay time. okay all right so the, so you would come to the track let's say it was an arca race you would come to the track um on race day have you been assigned to a certain driver prior to that because if you do the seat and all that you have to know who your driver is. He might be tall like Carson Hosevar. He might be short like Tyler Reddick. Um, so you have to know who your driver is, I take it, before, you know, all that takes place. But but it varies. You're not always working on the same team. Yeah. Well, it's, a, it's the same organization. Right. More like, uh, different series. So I guess you could call it a different team. But... At the end of the day, like we're all we're all within the same bubble, if that makes okay. sense. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, like my driver right now in the Arca series, his name is Christian Rose. And okay. He's I want to say seven feet tall, but he's <laughs> less, probably like six four, six five. Yeah. But but yeah, it's a, it's the same the same game I play with Christian, where when I'm building a car and I'm putting everything together, 
and this is this is days and days before right like when we have the car on jack stands just building it and putting it together days and days before we'll end up putting the car on the ground just to start setting it up and, and fine-tuning it i'll have him sit in it i'll have him sit in it a couple times i'll say what do you think you know the mirrors, the steering column, make sure everything's right. Make sure you're comfortable that you can like, cause at the end of the day, this is your office. I need right. to make sure you can do this to the best of your ability. And that my yeah. job is making sure you're comfortable Yeah, and, and that you, you can work and, and you can be efficient with what you do. And so we will have a sit down and, and we'll say, we need to do this or we need to change this or, or, you know, vice versa. So, yeah, and after I'll make me say initial changes, I'll have him sit in it again. I'll say, well, okay, so what do you think about it now? And I'll mm -hmm. have to move, you know, whatever he doesn't like. Like, I'll move it just to make sure that when we get there, you're as comfortable as you can possibly be and you can do your job to the best of your ability. And that's what we're here for. Yeah. So, and, and with the trucks, like, it's it's kind of a revolving thing, you know, and it's, it's different drivers here and there. And, Okay. So making sure that they're comfortable. It, it's kind of, it's the same game that I play all the time. It's more or less just different cards have been laid yeah. on the table, if that, if that makes right. sense. Right. No, it does make sense for sure. So is this something that you want to continue to do? Do you see yourself working in this, you know, on a team, on a race team, um, in this, you know, maybe not the same position, maybe not interior Maybe it will be interior, but is that something that you want to do long-term? I believe it might be. Um, there's there's always a chance that I'm kind of indifferent because I I like to change my mind a lot about some things, and I couldn't tell you why, but I, I believe it's something I could continue to do for a while. I mean, I, I, know, I know the ins and outs of it. It still teaches me different things day in and day out. Like, I always have a chance to grow. You know, if I, yeah. if I don't walk away from the day learning something new, then I feel like I failed. And so yeah. far, I've succeeded every day. So it, it at least, you know, it, it helps me in some way, but teaches me to be better for a multitude of different reasons. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, yeah, to answer your question, I definitely could see myself doing this on a long-term scale, and maybe that will grow into something more at some right. point in the future, but it, everything just takes so much time, so you yeah. just have to commit. Yeah, and, and race teams want to see that you have loyalty and that you're committed, and so, you know, um, it sounds to me like you're pretty committed to your teams. You take a lot of pride, and you have a big heart as far as making sure that everything's right. And when you say that the driver needs to be comfortable, can you imagine, you know, a hot day in Michigan in the summer um, and it could be, you know, 95 degrees and the humidity's high and it's 120 or 30 in the car. And if you've not done your job right and that driver's not comfortable or, you know, I can remember, when, I think it was last year when the next gen car came out you know, I think this, uh, there was, um, I, I don't know, if, I think it was Tyler Reddick had some issues with his legs and his feet and, and he wasn't comfortable in that car. And, and so it's a long time. Three hours is a long time if it's hot and it's humid and you're not comfortable and you're on a racetrack going 150, 180 or higher miles an hour with 35 other cars. So 
your your driver has to be able to just concentrate on his driving and not be thinking that oh the seat doesn't feel right or the pedals are too short or whatever it might be so um that's just kind of things that people don't think about when it comes to what it takes to put that car on the track and that's where you've been able to kind of take us through that and and remind us that there's a lot of people working behind the scenes so that we can enjoy those races. Yes. I, I mean, absolutely. It's, it's, and it's, it's almost down to like super specific things in a sense where, and, and like you said, where you're, you're going to be sitting, it's like you're getting on a plane and you're sitting in the seat for three hours and you're, you're not comfortable or your leg itches or your knee starts to cramp up or you do this, you do that. Like, We'll change the angle on the seat to help the blood flow to the legs so that the leg, you know, like their legs don't go numb. And there's, right. it, it's always about like, and, and it's not say like the 24 hours. It's not something like that where they're going to almost call it home for a day. It's, it's more or less just, this is the last thing I want you to think about while you're right. here, you know, like yeah. while, while you're, completely absorbed and surrounded by all of this. It's the last yeah. thing I want you to think about. Exactly. So it's, yeah. it's, you know, making sure the mirror is perfect, but not blocking their field of view. And, that, and yeah. the same with the side mirror and where the switches are. If your switches are out of reach or if the steering yeah. wheel, like I said, just is a little too high, a little too low, and you have to bend your arms a weird way for three hours and, it doesn't work. And then no. they can't focus on passing cars or being consistent with their lines. Right. They can't focus on driving. So right. it, it, and, and that's like you were saying, like with people don't, don't understand is like the, the one place that the driver is throughout the race is inside the car. If inside the car is not put together, right. Or if it's not comfortable, then the driver can't focus on, feeling how the rest of the car is they're too fixed right. on things immediately around them and then yeah. it just work yeah so yeah i mean it's it's it, it can be a lot but it's 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 workable if you kind of understand especially your driver like each driver's different some people yeah. are very finicky and nitpicky and some people more or less just want to get in it and drive the damn thing so yeah it's, you know yeah. playing the game Right, for sure. Well, Cammie, I have really enjoyed talking to you because I interview so many drivers and that's great, but I love being able to talk to somebody in another part of racing that maybe we don't always think about. And so um, that's why I wanted to have you on and, and just, you know, have another perspective on what it takes to get those cars to the track so that everybody can enjoy an ARCA race, a truck race, or whatever it might be. And um, I just really appreciate you taking the time today to be on the show, because I think it's important for people to understand about all the folks in the background that are, that are doing their jobs to the best of their ability, so that we can have good racing on the track. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you having me on for sure. Yeah, no, no problem. I enjoyed it. So what, what, who are you working on right now? What car are you working on and for who? So uh, right now at the moment, I have 
I guess more or less the past two days. I've been working on a truck that is going to mid-Ohio for Austin Wayne Self as the driver okay. at Racing. Okay. All right. So if, and will you be at the track then? Yes. Okay. I love mid-Ohio. I've been there several times for the motorcycle races. Um, <laughs> and I love that track. It's such a fun place to go. So I agree. The, it's just beautiful there. And I love the area. And um, yeah, we, we sat, we used to sit at the um, top of the key or the, yeah, the keyhole is where we used to sit up on the hill or we'd go down and sit kind of down in, um, in front of those first turns. That one stretch when you come out of the keyhole and you go down the back, the motorcycles would be going really fast down there. Uh, the cars too, I'm sure. I've never been there for a car race, but the but the motorcycle races there. Oh my gosh, we loved going there. And so um, I know you're going to have a great time because that's a beautiful track. And I'm going to watch and see if I can see you on TV <laughs> when they're on. Um, I I'm really uh, dedicated to the truck series, especially because Carson Hosevar is from here in our town. And I've known him for quite a number of years, him and his family. So I always have to uh, watch when he's racing for sure. And there's a few others in the, in the trucks that I know personally. So it's always fun to watch those kids race. Um, so I'll be watching for you now, Cammie, too. See if I can pick you out like your mom does. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, she'll, she'll send me, she'll screen record. She'll take a video on her phone and, and send it to me and say, I saw you on TV and it was maybe for half a second. Yeah. But, but she knows, she knows she's, yeah. she can pick you out. So I mean, now the trucks are at mid Ohio this weekend. They're not in Nashville. Or So it's not this weekend. It's, oh. it's later. Yeah. This weekend, everything's in Nashville, but later yeah. I think it's next weekend is mid Ohio. So will you be in Nashville then this weekend? No, we we're not taking a car or a truck to Nashville, so I okay. Well, or, darn, because your mom lives there. Yeah, but we'll be in uh, Elko, Minnesota for oh, Parker. Okay. Race. Oh yeah. That's, okay. Yeah. Right. So you know Mandy Chick, she races in Arca some. So she, I just had her on uh, the show a few days ago. So um, yeah, I I follow the Arca series you know, pretty closely. They just raced in Berlin, Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was there. Were you there? Well, that's only a little over an hour from my house. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's about an hour north of my house. So yeah, that's yeah, so, a really nice track. And, and that's what I was saying. Like, you know, like, uh, so Christian is running, I think almost, I think he's running all of the races, but like we were in Berlin and we didn't have live pit stops, even though it would have been a lot of fun. Yeah. A fire changer, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, we we didn't do too bad, but Berlin was a fun track. It's the first time I ever been there, yeah. and uh, and it's kind of weird. We were, we we're figuring out the whole time that there's no front straight or straightaway. You're always kind of just turning yeah. and turn a little bit more, and then you know come back. You're still turning. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that track can be very tricky for people if they haven't driven it before, but it's it's a good track. Uh, my friend Jeff Striegel, 
is an announcer for the Motor Racing Network, and he also is the manager or whatever you want to call him for that track. And he's really done a good job of um, getting more fans there, sprucing up the place, adding lots of different things. SRX is going to be there this year to race, and so um, that's a that's a really nice track. So I, I'm glad you had a chance to be there. So. Well, Cammy, I'm going to let you go. I know you've had a long day and you probably would like to have a, a bite to eat and relax. And so I'm, I'm going to let you go. But I just want you to know how much I appreciate what you do. I appreciate the hard work that you put in. And I know when you're at the track, there's a lot of long hours. My, Like I said, my friend Liz works on the NASCAR as a tire changer and, and she has some long, hot days. But in the end, it's worth it. And so just wanted to thank you for being on. And I hope you have a really good rest of the season. And I hope you'll stay in touch with me. Yeah, absolutely. I, thank you so much for having me on. I know it's kind of been a pain to schedule this. And Oh, we've had time. we've had issues, but guess what? Yeah. We figured it out, didn't we? Figured it out, absolutely. <laughs> we did, yeah. Well, like I said, thank you so much for having me on. I really do appreciate it. And I, I hope that some people see like more of the behind the scenes thing like you were talking about. Absolutely. Well, if I'm at an ARCA or a truck race, I'll be sure to look for you. Perfect. Yeah. Come say hi. I will. All right. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Good night. Bye.